from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Tomorrow night, the NBA Draft will show us some of the best superstars in the world growing to the next chapters in their careers. But it's also a great reminder that the path to that draft is different now than ever before, as the options that these kids have before they get to the NBA continue to expand and give them opportunity to grow and get better prepared for their life as professionals. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. I want to jump right into it as we get ready for the NBA draft tomorrow night. We're joined now by Damian Wilkins, general manager and head of basketball for Overtime Elite. Uh, Damian, really appreciates your time. And I always think it's interesting when you start talking about opportunities for kids because obviously everybody knows college basketball, but we also now have the G League. We also have Overtime Elite. Uh, what's the major difference between overli- Overtime and G League? Uh, hi. First of all, thanks for having me, guys. Um, appreciate this. Um, I would just say overall that we're we're just younger, right? Like I, I, we're younger, Um you know, we can recruit guys a little younger than the G League can. Uh, and, you know, we, we do that on purpose because we want to see a long-term development process in these guys. Um, what we offer at Overtime Elite is accelerated development both on and off the court. Uh, and, you know, starting guys younger, being able to build out their portfolios, if you will, in terms of their development is something that we, we, we thrive on and we set our goals for that. And we try to. We want to be a feeder system to the G League. We've already had have two guys already committed to going to the G League out of uh, out of overtime elite. So uh, we we welcome them to be great partners with us um, now and in the future. It's interesting because you mentioned that partnership, Damian, and and I keep thinking about you know kids that are accelerating and how hard when you're going in and, and selling these or talking to these kids, I should say, about what they want next. Like, what is the path that you're describing for them that makes it make sense for them to leave what they're used to and come over to what you guys are doing? We always start the conversation out with asking them about their goals, right? Like, what are your goals? Where are you trying to get to? What do you want to be? It's not going to change how hard we work on their development. Uh, but one thing it is that we can start, we can cater to that. If guys just say, hey, I, I, I want to go to college from here, we help them get to college. We help, we put them in front of all the college scouts on our, on our college days and obviously doing our games and practices where scouts are allowed to come. Um, and then we just, we want our guys to go into college even more prepared than they would have had they left regular high school and, and, and did that. So um, a lot of, we have, we have a bunch of, coaches and skill development trainers who have trained pros, who have trained Hall of Famers, um, who have a stable of athletes and clients that they train and, and experienced a ton of experience in that field, in that space, that helps our guys get the most out of, we get the most out of those, the, the guys and their abilities. And um, like I said, we try to deliver on our promise of, of that accelerated development um, by, you know, just keeping these guys in the gym and you know, making sure they're on the right path to be successful, not only on the basketball court, but even when the ball stops out. Damien, how did your experience in your first season with Overtime Elite compare to what you thought it would be like? Great question. Um, I, honestly, when I left, I, I stopped playing. I retired from the NBA in 2017. I immediately went, started working for um, the Players Association. 
And what I learned from the Players Association is just how much um, career development was missing, right? Like you have a bunch of guys that retire from the NBA or retire from professional basketball and they spend, you know, five, six years sitting on the couch trying to figure out what their next move is. And by the time they're ready for that next move, like they really just don't have the skills um, to go out in the real world um, and also be successful and have that translate. So what we teach our guys is that they have all the skills already. They have leadership skills because you have to have that to be an exceptional basketball player, right? Like you have skills to, uh, for your voice. You know, obviously basketball is a big – when you're playing basketball, if you don't communicate, you're probably going to get burned. Um, so we, we, we just try to teach our guys that they already have the skills. You just have to bring them out. And being here in my first two years, it showed me, I would say, it showed me that we're on the right path. We have guys who have um, eight guys now who have, you know, are playing professional basketball or about to embark on professional basketball. Nine guys actually who are about to embark on professional basketball or playing professional basketball somewhere. So I think we've done a great job. We've lived up to what we said we we're going to do at first. We got a lot of criticism, obviously, because it's new. People feel what they don't understand. And then our first year, we were taking kids out of college and paying them. Like I, I even thought that was crazy, but I, I still came came on board to do it because I respected the fact that this is just a different path. And when I was coming out of high school, it was only one path for everyone, traditionally, right? You leave high school, you go to college for four years, you go on to whatever it is you're fortunate to go on to. But offering these guys a different path to get that, again, accelerated development, to, to be able to earn money through the NIL space, to be able to build your brands up, things of that nature that's helping you be more valuable in college and understanding the transfer portal, the NIL space, understanding all those new things that's on the market right now is something that um, I thought was very interesting. And I also thought that it would help guys in their in their later on in their career when they're trying to find paths or things to pursue once they're done playing basketball. We're talking to Damian Wilkins, general manager and head of basketball uh, for Overtime Elite. Stick there for a second. I think this is interesting, given your experience in the league and with the PA before you started this, and now with Overtime Elite. The one and done conversation always exists. If you were the czar of basketball, what would the what would it look like for you for the process to kids to actually get into the NBA? If I was the czar of it, yeah, you can, you you can make the rule the way it should be made. You've seen it both sides. How that how should that look yeah. like? Uh, oh, shoot. First of all, what I would do is have NBA players be teachers. Like, I, I just feel like there's no better teacher than experience. And, you know, me leaning on my experience to help these guys, um, I'm sure it means a lot to them. They've told me that it means a lot to them, and I, 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 don't, I don't ever take those opportunities for granted. But having players return to educate players is something that I think is invaluable. And probably not enough of that going around like my rookie year I was on a team in Seattle with Ray Allen Rashad Lewis Antonio Daniels guys who have been in the league they have families for crying out loud like married with families and houses and things of that nature right like nowadays you go to the NBA and and your veteran is John Morant (laughs) like he's he's your he's your leader in the locker room you know what I mean so it's like 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 how much and it's not no knock against on him at all, but like how much can a young guy coming into the NBA learn from him who's clearly still learning how to be a professional himself? Um, so I think just the overall education and, and having some type of um, path where 
players who have gone through it and are doing it actively right now, currently, um, returning to educate those guys in some type of educate these younger guys in some way, shape, or form is something that, like, I think is is still being being missed. And Damon, I'll tell you, I think that's a, a lost art now when it when it's come to professional sports. Period, because you know a lot of these teams want to get rid of veterans, but what they fail to realize is that those veterans help those young players groom and grow. Um, and I mentioned that right. yesterday on, on, on Get Up uh, from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. is that the more these younger guys, because in the NBA, I think it's worse because you have players coming in at 19, 20 years old, uh, one year removed from college or one year removed from uh, different facets of the basketball landscape, right? So right. I right. think they need more solid veterans to help guide them and help teach teach them, you know, the the land of the roads and how things lay yeah. and how things are like they're not even adults so you're learning like I know Lou Williams I grew up with Lou Lou said he he was learning how to how to how to be a a man uh while he was in Philly right but From I just Alan think Harvey. it's something yes and I just think it's something that that that's needed more what do you yeah. feel like overall the NBA every program could do better in those regards Absolutely. Um, like for instance, like me, like Ray, Ray Allen. Again, I I, I bring that up because I just it, it it was so just impactful. Just the influence he had on me, just teaching me how to be a professional. Things you know, what not to do, how to be ready, when to be, re- how to be, how to be ready to play, how to be prepared to play, even not in a lot. Right. Like if I wouldn't have had those veterans on my team coming out. You know, into my rookie year, I didn't play a whole lot. Like I said, I was sitting behind guys who are, you know, eventual Hall of Famers, for crying out loud. Like, Ray Allen was the best in the game. So, you know, I don't know how I would have dealt with that had I had a, a rookie or a younger guy standing next to me telling me how to navigate that world. I would have probably been on the bench pouting and had a bad attitude and things of that nature. But when you have a veteran telling you, hey, man, it's a long season, like, stay ready, keeping you encouraged, giving you – all those nuggets that someone gave to him and he's passing those things on. It just help, helps you stay prepared. And and I just think that's, that's missing. Like even in my last year playing in 2017, the Pacers signed me basically specifically to, to, to mentor and, and, and to keep Lance Stevenson head right. So everywhere we went, you know, home games, away games, all of that, I was always sitting beside him. They always placed me right beside him. Right, like he was a guy with like that. I was kind of just looking after. When we were on the road, my room was next door to his. Like, you know, we 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 on the bench when I was sit on the bench. Like, I was sitting next to him. Like, those are the little things that like I think get taken for granted so many times because people just don't. You know, these guys nowadays, these teams nowadays, just don't appreciate that because there's so many things that go that's unseen that happens in those spaces that like a coach or a general manager or someone like a team executive, someone like that, like they can't convey those things because either one, they've never been in those trenches, right? Or two, they they don't even know how to speak the language. Or three, more importantly, like the player is not even going to listen to them. Yeah. So I always think, you know, when you have experienced guys in your locker room who can talk to these players and tell them about all the different things that they've gone through and how to navigate these professional waters, not only just to help you be a better basketball player, but more importantly, to extend your career. 
Damien, obviously tomorrow night's going to be huge for you guys and for the Thompson Twins. You got a Twins that are expected to go in the top 10. What does that mean for Overtime Elite? Oh, it means everything, man. Those guys are special. Um, I'm, I'm excited for them. I'm excited for our company. Um, it's going to be a great, 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 great night, and we're all looking forward to it. They work extremely hard to be the players that they are. Uh, whoever gets them, gets them is going to be very, very lucky. Um, you know, you talk about two guys who are hungry to be really good at basketball. Um, they listen. You know, they 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 soak in all the information that you give them. They are they are they are super talented. And and one of the things that I I'm more impressed with is that their their defensive ability for them to be able to go out defensively and play the way that they play and and do the things that they do. Um, and, and make the plays that they make, their athleticism, everything about them is just is just special. And um, again, like it's going to be huge for our league. It's going to be huge for um, for them and their family. Um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna bring their lunch pails every day and, and represent OTE and their families well, um, like they always have. And uh, it's just going to be a really good night. I'm looking forward to it. We also have three other guys: Jay Zion, Gortman, Bryce Griggs, and Jalen Martin who also are in the draft this year and hoping to get their name called. So I'll be on the phone all day tomorrow working those phones, trying to contact all my relationships to get get those guys some opportunities as well because they're certainly deserving too. So if we get five guys this year playing professional basketball in some way, shape, and form, like that's going to be really big for us. Damien, we really appreciate your time, your insight. Thanks for everything you're doing for the basketball community, and thanks for hanging out with us, man. We appreciate it. Uh-huh. Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. Have a good one, guys. That's Damian Wilkins, GM and head of basketball for Overtime Elite. Again, the NBA draft tomorrow night. You don't want to miss it. Coming up, the Nuggets are the defending champs. Already set up to repeat. So, what does everyone else need to do to catch them? I'll tell you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. With the seventh pick, the Denver Nuggets select Jamal Murray. With the 41st pick, the Denver Nuggets select Nikola Jokic. So... Who's next? The 2023 NBA Draft, tomorrow at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. When we need to get inside the game. I know this whole game inside and out. We ask Coach. Huh? On Fitz and Harry. When the weather is high and you can stretch right up and touch the sky. When the weather is fine, you got women, you got women on your mind. God, I love this song. I mean, really rich off this song, though. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app. Serious XM Channel 80. Harry doing a summertime white boy dance. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, I don't know what what is that? What 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 what, 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 what we got the finger wiggle? Like? I don't I don't even know what it is. <laughs> it just good. felt right for the moment. No, it it, it feels it, it does. It, it felt right. If you're watching on TV and not hearing this music, I would genuinely think that Harry was dancing to Under the Boardwalk. Oh, like, that is legitimately <laughs> what he was. It feels like we're sort of on the same network as that, though. Like, yeah. I'm not going to I'm not gonna be mad at that. Like, yeah, but if, if, you, were, if you were watching, because these music doesn't air on the app, right. like, I would think that he was dancing to Under the Boardwalk. Okay, that's fair. 
right, this is one of my favorite things we put out on social. What song uh, were we dancing to? Wrong answers only. I just, I don't know what the shoulder thing is. All right, uh, we're going to get uh, Coach involved here because sometimes we need a little brilliance, and that means we need to ask Coach. And it's a very simple premise here. We just asked Coach Harry Douglas to fill in the blanks, make us all smarter. Here's the thing that's killing me, Harry. I, all I keep hearing is everybody talk about, well, this team needs to add this and this and this and this, when realistically, the Nuggets are better than everybody. So the question is, what does this team need if they want to catch Denver, right? That's that's mm-hmm. the, that's the premise here. So we'll start with the Phoenix Suns. We're asking Coach here. If you, I'm, I'm making you the GM of the Phoenix Suns. What do you need to be able to topple the Nuggets? I think, number one, defense. I think, you know, when you look at Bradley Beal, you look at Devin Booker, you look at Kevin Durant, you have three of the most pure scorers in, in the NBA. So scoring the basketball is not going to be a challenge. I think playing defense and those guys stepping up to the plate and taking it amongst themselves to say, you know what, we have to defend as well as put the ball in the basket. Uh, on top of having supporting cast players that can get things done, um, you can always have two of those guys on the court at the same time. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. But the last thing for the Suns fits, DeAndre Ayton. If he's going to be there, can he accept his role? And his role, I think, moving forward, because they're not going to be running stuff for him offensively. So his role has to be blocking shots defensively, uh, being a defensive prowess on the back end, and also setting solid screens. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you just said. The only thing I'd say is they need depth. And unfortunately, all they can afford are a bunch of Devons, and they need better than Devons. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't think there's a lot of chance here. Let's, uh, what team? <laughs> okay, Devons to go. Speaking of Devon, uh, what team do you have next for us, Devon? The Memphis Grizzlies. Oh. I think number one for the Memphis Grizzlies is growth across the board. Um, and that starts with your superstar player in John Morant, who's going to be suspended the first 25 games of the year. Um, so I would say growth. And then number two, shooters. Add more shooters around the perimeter. Yeah, I'm going to say Draymond. Simple answer. They need Draymond at some point. Like, they need they need size anyway. I know they were injured, and that's part of why it didn't work in the playoffs. But they also need somebody that will just open the entire can of whoop and ass in the uh, locker room when necessary. That's Draymond. They need Draymond. Uh, Devin, who do you got for us next? The Golden State Warriors. Oh. Can, can I say Draymond? Go, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, number one, re-signing Draymond Green. That, that's a huge part of it. So that has to be number one because I think he's the second-best player. Uh, on that team when it comes to importance. Uh, I also would say another big, just so you're not relying on uh, Kavon Looney being the only big that you have. So one more other guy that can come in with some size and, you know, do some damage. Yeah, I also think they need to find a new home for Jordan Poole. I'm just not that not because he's not a good player, but it just doesn't work there. So they need to to keep Draymond, get rid of Jordan, and figure out more size. I agree with that. All right, Dev, who do we have next? The Dallas Mavericks. Oh, this is easy for me defense and learning how to play it because we know Kyrie Irving and we also know Luka Doncic is going to be able to put the ball in the basket but also those two guys being able to complement one another I think their relationship off the court and on the court can be better for this team but also you have to be able to play some kind of defense and get stops yeah no this answer is way easier for me what the uh, Denver Nuggets need if they want or what the Mavs need if they want to catch the Nuggets is prayer because they they ain't nothing they're going to put on the court that's going to help them catch it. They just need to play only on Sundays right after church and hope that they were right with God that day. That's about the only only chance that they got. Uh, That's a little bit of – we'll do more of this as we uh, continue to get you ready for the offseason coming up, what teams need to do to catch the Nuggets. I just want to be a friendly reminder to everybody that the Nuggets are the defending champion. We just 
continue to forget that. The Nuggets are trading 2024 first-round pick and a 2023 40th pick to the Indiana Pacers for number 29 and 32 on Thursday. Sources tell ESPN. Reminder, they already traded a 2029 first-rounder for a 2024 first-rounder with Oklahoma City. If you're confused, I get it. There's a lot of numbers. It's the NBA draft. I can't fix it. I wish I could. Uh, Somebody that can fix all of our minds when it comes to what we need to know about this upcoming offseason, the great Tim Legler. But here's the thing. Tim's been asked a bunch of questions. We're going to ask Tim the most difficult question he's ever been asked before. How do you take down the Nuggets? We'll figure it out next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. With the seventh pick, the Denver Nuggets select Jamal Murray. With the 41st pick, the Denver Nuggets select Nikola Jokic. So, who's next? The 2023 NBA Draft, tomorrow at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel Lady, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic device, and pet health insurance like I do with Annabelle. Happy birthday, Annabelle. I love you. All right. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're going to grow the Wolfpack by one and get some insight on all things NBA ahead of tomorrow's draft and as we get into the offseason with the great Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, joining us now. Legs, we were just kind of going through an exercise on this show and trying to figure out who needs to add what to compete with the Nuggets. If you look at the West, is there a team that you look at and say, man, this team is one realistic acquisition away from being able to be the best team in the league? I honestly think Golden State and Sacramento are two teams that I could look at as, as challenging the Nuggets if, if they added a piece. And it's hard to say, like, specific names because a lot of times those are pipe dreams, you know, and, and they're just not realistic. Um, but you can say what type of player. I think Golden State looked dreadfully slow and small, even more importantly, last year throughout their, their postseason run and even the course of the regular season. Their wings are smaller than they used to be. They're not they're the same size like the Sean Livingstons and the Andre Iguodala's that they used to have in their championship days that could guard bigger guys and could, and could do an adequate job on the glass. They, they have smaller guys now. Guys like Jordan Poole and Dante DiVincenzo you know, are filling a lot of those minutes, and they haven't really moved forward with Kaminga and Moody. They haven't seemed like they trust them enough yet in the postseason. So they need to add, I think, the Warriors, a, a, a bigger, whether it's a big guy that, that can play minutes when Looney's not on the floor, or if you're going to play Looney and Draymond as your backup five, then a, a, you know that six eight six nine type of wing that can really defend. And if you can shoot the three, that's a bonus. I think Sacramento needs, I think, one, another wing scorer, somebody a little bit more efficient on the wing to, to go along with Fox and Sabonis and then you could have something potentially special, I think, going on in Sacramento as well. Mm, Lord, we know it's not Harrison Barnes. Don't get me started, Legs. Mm. But how, how, important, <laughs> how important is it for Golden State that they start their offseason off bringing Draymond Green back to this team? Yeah, look, I think it's really important. They're in a tough spot. Teams that win championships all find themselves. If you've had, you know, and very, very few have, 
had the level of success that the Warriors have had, you know, since in the Steph Curry era. But when you look at teams historically that go through those runs and they've got key guys, now I'm not talking about role players because a lot of those guys can be reinvented, right? You retool, you reload, you find a new supporting cast, guys will move on. I'm talking about the core guys, the, you know, the top two, three, four starters. Those guys are going to have to get paid when their time comes, but it's more of a career achievement award than it is what future expectation, right? And, and that's the case now with Draymond Green. He's critical to them because of the, you know, what he provides defensively with his communication. I think more important, even offensively, his ability to make the reads and, and facilitate, and he makes everything flow on that end of the floor. He's the one ultimately decides where the ball goes more often than not. So he still serves a vital role, but he's nowhere near the player that he was in his prime when they were winning those championships, um, you know, whether the first one or the, even the two when KD was there. He's, he's not that guy anymore. I mean, there's nights you're going to have to live with him scoring two points, four points. He's just that's, that's who he is at this stage of his career. So you're probably going to have to overpay him. But I think what he brings and the intangibles he brings on both ends with his smarts offensively, his communication defensively, his versatility on that end, and even his emotion and toughness. I mean, they need that. Sometimes it could be a distraction when he goes too far. But overall, it's such a laid-back group. They need his emotion. Um, so I think it's, it's critical they get it done. And I don't think either side is ready to move on. It doesn't sound like. So I think ultimately they will get a deal done with Draymond Green. The minute Draymond Green's name sort of popped up legs, all of a sudden everybody was speculating on where it could go. Much like we do constantly with Dame, right? Everybody speculates with what's next for Damian Lillard. Just as a fan of the NBA, not even just for what you do and trying to figure it out as an analyst. As a fan, what do you want to see from Damian Lillard? I just want to see Damian Lillard have a chance to play deep into the postseason. I mean, that's, that's all I want because I think he's, he's that entertaining. He's a guy that I think it, it performs really well under pressure um, on the biggest stage. They just haven't had teams that are close enough to compete. So, look, he has said for a long time he's not going to chase, and he's content in his own skin. He sleeps well at night. He's not a guy that has to worry about adding something to prove who he is as a player. You know, we all kind of know historically these top-tier guys get judged differently than, than supporting cast-type players. No one's going to care if most role players at the end of the day get a ring or not, like when you're, when you're looking back on guys' careers. Guys like Damian Lillard, you do care. It's the first thing that will come up when you talk about his legacy when it's all said and done and he's 10, 15 years removed from the league. Like, that's going to be the first thing that's going to come up when you discuss Damian Lillard. So, you know, I, I think that that – that weight is legitimately there, whether he says he feels it or not, or he's going to be content to stay in Portland his entire career, maybe never win one, and, and that's fine with him. We'll see. That's what he has said all along. But I, I wonder if each year watching other guys, his peers, guys that are on his level, have a chance to compete you know, year in, year out. It's, and it's different guys every year. When you take the top 20 players in the league, like all of those guys it seems like have gotten an opportunity for the most part play at that level he really hasn't so you just wonder if that does eventually change your mind over time so we'll see I, I would love to see Damian Lillard have a chance to compete I don't think that's going to happen in Portland they're not going to be a legitimate title contender if he stays there but that that raises the Portland side of it legs like what what's your port I mean they're sitting here with the third pick in the draft a player that could maybe help them and there there isn't an easy path to a championship if you're running Portland today what do you do in this situation yeah, the problem with that is, you know, you're talking about depending who it is. And I, look, I think the top three guys are all can't miss. 
Weminyama, Miller, um, Scoot Henderson. I, you know, I think Scoot Henderson can be really special. And you just look, rarely have you ever seen a guard with this kind of explosive ability that also has the kind of shooting range that he has to go with it. And this is a rare combination. So I think even if it's him at three, uh, he's the, he'd be the best player available at that pick. Um, you're still talking about a guy that's going to have to have a learning curve of what it takes to win at this level and play against this level competition every night and be efficient. And that, that could take several years, no matter who that is, whether it's Miller, whether that's Henderson, um, that could take several years for that to happen. And now you look, where will Damian Lillard be at that point? Um, so even if you add a really nice piece, I just don't know that that's going to put you in the mix. Out West, I will say this, though. The West is a mess. It really is. It's just so fluid in terms of, of you know, what we expect and who's a complete product. Either teams are reinventing themselves, adding talent. They haven't played much together. They've got guys coming back from injuries. They are coming off a really disappointing year. Everybody outside of Denver kind of falls into the same category. I mean, Sacramento, you could say, hey, maybe they're intact, but I think they benefited last year from all the injuries that everybody else had, and their top guys, their top six guys, didn't miss any time. So you end up grabbing that vacuum and becoming a three seed. Are they really a legitimately you know, a three seed last year? I don't know. But other than, than Denver, who, who else do you really feel certain about what you're about to get? I'm not even sure about Phoenix. We've got to see it first. So having said all of that, I think – you know, Portland can certainly be interesting, adding a piece like I mentioned, but they're not going to be a top-tier team. Um, so you, you're asking me, do they get rid of Damian Lillard? I mean, where are you then as a franchise? You know, and, and that's what I think they're weighing all the time. He is their draw. He is the face of the franchise. So if fans are interested to see, you move on from him, what do you bring in? Does it put you any closer to having a championship team? And do you do it as a almost like a favor to Damian Lillard. I, I don't know. I mean, teams have done that in the past, so we'll see. Uh, everything I loved about your answer is why I love the way you cover it because it's a nuanced, difficult conversation. Like, there is no cut and dry on any of it, Legs. Always appreciate your brilliance, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. That's Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst. All right, we'll get back to the NBA stuff, but coming up, one NFL division is having an arms race for two players, plus the one team that should already be out on Dalvin Cook. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. We're pres- <laughs> What's the? Let me see the dance move again. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Yeah! Uh, if you're watching in the app, it's summer of 69. I feel like since you can't hear the... No, it's just one fist. You're doing two hands. I'm just one. You know, it's more like, yeah, it's one victory. Well, well no, actually, you're doing two hands as well. Well, I mean, it's one one going way up, though. One going tiny, like I got an Evan hand, a small hand, and then a full hand. Like, okay, Evan, let, me, let me try this. Let Evan, me try this full, again. Evan, full. All right. There we go. There we go. Oh, 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 man. I'm telling you, if you're watching this in the app, you can't hear the music, but you can see the sweet, sweet moves. So, uh, again, I never thought I'd see uh, Fitz teaching Harry a dance. Well, again, this is a reminder of why 
uh, if I look at Harry and say, hey, man, you want to go to the club after a game? He's going to say no. All right, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, Fitz and Harry's presented by Progressive Insurance. Evan just walked in the room. I realized that I was making fun of like having a small hand and a, a big, hand, like normal size, and Evan wasn't even here. He was catching straight. It's my fault, Evan. You know we love you. Uh, everybody loves Dalvin Cook, uh, running back extraordinaire out there on the market right now, and everybody wants to find the right spot for him. What's interesting for me is that Adam Schefter sort of laid out for us where he thinks the interesting spot is, and Harry – this is one team in an entire division that might need Dalvin. The New York Jets, they have Brees Hall coming off a torn ACL. I don't know if he's going to be full go as this season gets underway, but their schedule is unforgiving. It's a murderous start of the season for the Jets. They're going to need help in the running game. Wouldn't a guy like Dalvin Cook make some sense? I mean, fits. I love it. I love it. But first it starts with, okay, do the Jets have the cap space? And you look right now across the NFL, uh, top eight in cap space at number eight is the New York Jets with $21 million left to, I won't say play with, but to work with. So that's the first thing you got to cross off the list. Second thing you cross off the list is that you look at last season and where this team was ranked rushing-wise, they were 26 in rushing in that category. That's another thing you cross off the list. You also look at who they have at the running back position right now. Brees Hall, I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. Started off the season great, had over 450 yards rushing, over uh, four touchdowns a season ago before he actually tore his ACL. But he's coming off of ACL. You have Michael Carter. You also have Zonovan Knight. But none of those guys are Dalvin Cook. And you also look at how this run game could also help a guy like Aaron Rodgers. You already had, have the defense and uh, being a top five defense on that side of the ball. You want more pieces to help Aaron Rodgers. Does Aaron Rodgers need all this help? Probably not because he's a four-time MVP award winner. He's a Super Bowl champion for a reason. Back-to-back MVP, uh, in, in MVPs in 2020-2021. So he can play the game of football at a very, very high level. But now I think the run game will be able to be called consistently if you have a guy like Dalvin Cook that you can hand the football off to. What makes it complicated, though, is I think the entire AFC East right now. I mean, you could make the case as you just beautifully did for the Jets. Uh, we also talked about the Patriots early in the week, possibly yep. looking at both. And then I'm looking over here at the Dolphins, where you and I seem to lean most likely he's going to end up. I mean, the Dolphins already have a track meet of talent. They have the available cap space. They can sign him with absolutely no issue. Like, what's interesting is that you can make an argument every single team in the AFC East needs him, including even though they may not have the money for him. I mean, even the Buffalo Bills would benefit <gasps> from him. Oh, the Buffalo Bills would definitely benefit for them. But the thing that worries, worries me about the Bills is that they don't call the run consistent. They don't call it on a consistent basis. And were they top 10 in rushing a season ago? Yes, but a lot of those runs, you know, come off um, Josh Allen scrambling and getting rushing attempts in that manner and utilizing him uh, in which I think they need to cut down some early on in the, in the season. You have guys at the running back position up there that just don't utilize them in, in the proper way and, and give those guys the ball. And you also look at the rushing attempts that they had, right, being a top 10 rushing team. Everybody in the top nine had over, I would say, 520 rushes, rushing attempts. The Buffalo Bills had 430. So that tells you right there that Ken Dorsey isn't calling the run consistently as he should be. Yeah, well, there's also the 
issue of the fact that there'd be an argument over, you know, a Cook brother playing with the Cook brother. Let's remember, James Cook is a member of the Bills uh, area, so it feels like that might be a tough sell anyway. Nope, 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 <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Dalvin Cook better not. I would never, ever in my life, Fitz, if me and my brother played the same sport and I've had an opportunity and we played the same position at that, and I have opportunity to go play over him to stop his growth at that position, it can't, it can't happen. And I'm pretty sure Dalvin Cook and his brother are very, very close, and I, I hope he wouldn't want to do that to his younger brother and James Cook. So you would go to a rival team and try and keep your brother from winning a Super Bowl no, by no, being no, in no, the let's same say it like this. Okay. I will go to a rival team and want to kick my brother's ass. That's okay. exactly what I would want to do. Okay, but and, you and, don't, and stop him from winning the Super Bowl, yes. But you wouldn't actually try to – I guess I could see this. Like, you don't want to be in the same roster. You're not trying to take food off your brother's fa- table. There You're you just go. trying to take rings off his hand. Like, that, that makes yeah. – that makes. For so, for so long, I have been my brother's keeper. I'm the older brother, so I would not want to do that. And, you know, put a halt to some of the things that he wants to accomplish at the National Football League level. Yeah, especially, by the way, for somebody that was a second-round pick, has a bright future ahead of him. Uh, But you're right. I think what's interesting here is that Dalvin Cook could go to Miami. He could go to the Jets. He could go to the Patriots. He'd make any of them better. As I said before, I still think the Patriots are clearly the worst team in the division. If I'm Miami, man, if I got to call them and add a little extra to that, like put a little whipped cream on top of my Irish coffee, I'm going to do it because I want to make sure at the end of the day he doesn't go to the Jets. I don't want to have to face him. I want him to be on my team, Harry. Mm. Second floor tissies getting shoulder rubs. Drake spoke about it. Go ahead, give him a little night of tissies. Give him a little shoulder rub. Give him some fried shrimp and some of that fried fish. And then go ahead and sign him to a nice little deal. I, I Next mean, thing you know, your Super Bowl contenders as you were before he got there. But it's a greater chance with them there. I'm just saying, though, they have shoulder rubs and fried uh, fried shrimp in, in New York, too. <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm just saying. All right, coming up, a massive conundrum for one NBA team and their superstar. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.